How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the STD podcast. We finally have all three of us together on a podcast. What's it been like? Woo-woo! About a, about a month. I gotta say, more, more than that. It's been like forever. almost two now. Yeah, yeah. So lots of stuff to get caught up on. Uh, we were gonna just briefly touch on our training and what we're, what we're doing, and hopefully we'll get into some Q and A later in the podcast. Uh, Shimmy, uh, you're in a the tail end of a fat loss phase, so maybe you can kick it off about what's going on with you. Um, you're the leanest you've ever been. I know you. That was your goal. Um, I'm going to be the leanest that I've ever been when this is over. Right okay. now, I'm I'm on the doorstep. I'm right there. If if not already there, to be very honest with you, um, but I'm in the range. But I think rather than me just ramble about how my fat loss phase is going, I think I want to just give some takeaways sure. um, Yeah, that people can sort of learn from. And then if you guys have specific questions that you want to ask me, then that's right on. Let's rock out with that. So a few takeaways. Most of them are pretty much reminders. Some of them are new. Uh, reminder number one, going slower is always better and makes things so much easier. I've been dieting for six months, believe it or not. And I'm down almost 25 pounds. And I swear this is the easiest diet I've ever done in my whole life. And I'm very lean. I have veins in my abs. My lower back is feathered. Um, These are, I guess, the only visual things that I can sort of tell you guys. But um, six months, because I dieted for one macro cycle, it was like 15 weeks, typical. And then I had a longer maintenance phase than I had planned because I was traveling and because I got a cyst removed on my back. So it didn't allow me to do really like hard training or anything. And now I'm basically in the throes of a two meso diet. I did the first meso, now I'm in the second one. And um, that's it. So maintenance phases are great. Longer maintenance phases are also great. And if you just take more time to lose weight, it's not going to feel great because you're going to feel like, oh, I feel like nothing is happening, but things are happening. And losing half a pound to a pound a week, you keep doing that. That compounds every week for weeks and months. Over time, you look back and you're like, man, I lost 15 pounds. I lost 20 pounds. And I didn't even try. Like the entire time I... You didn't even try in theory. Obviously you tried. I'm trying. This is all intentional. Um, But I was able to fit fun foods in pretty much the whole time. This last month or this last mesocycle, I'm not. And if you were to see all my meals, they're all classic, boring. Oh my God, he's so healthy. All (laughs) of that. But this is only the last month and that's sort of like, why not, right? Like give it all the gusto. So if any of you guys are dieting and you're at the tail end, like lock in, do it, go all the way. Why not? It's the end. But up until then, I've been able to have burgers. I've been able to have pizza. I've been able to have ice cream, uh, chips, uh, sushi. And I've just been able to fit it in. You know, these are not necessarily in the servings that you'd be like, oh my God, but I've still been able to fit things in here and there without any stress. Next takeaway, and Trevor knows this one because we've talked about it several times. When you get to whatever your best look is, getting there again is 50% easier 
than getting there the first time. It just is. For me to get to the look that I have now, previously, I had to do, I think, about 15,000, 16,000 steps a day with the calories around maybe 2,300. Now I'm at 13,000 steps a day and 2,600 calories. Sounds like I'm majoring the minors, but that's why you came here. So those little differences, they do matter. And um, it's really just not been that bad. Um, those are the takeaways that I have this very moment. Oh, another reminder, be very judicious with your caffeine intake. I'm not someone who uses a lot of caffeine anyways. I'm very caffeine sensitive. But holding off on caffeine or really starting slow for as long as you can really is helpful. Because when the diet does get hard, you have that lever to pull. And it's a really good lever to pull. Because not only does caffeine give you energy and give you focus, it also suppresses your appetite. And when you're calorie constrained, this is a godsend. This is fantastic. So for those of you that just mindlessly drink diet drinks and mindlessly consume coffee and drink pre-workouts when your workouts are really not that hard, maybe stop doing that and or rather wait. Wait until the diet starts to get harder because then when you put the caffeine in, it's almost like a reinvigoration of the diet where you're saying to yourself, oh, the diet's not actually that bad now because you were able to pull on this lever. Whereas if you're having caffeine throughout, we all know that you do desensitize to it and you'll need more and more and more to get the same effect. So um, this is something to consider. And by the way, this is going to be a little bit more like hippy dippy nuance stuff. You should do the same with your music when you train. When you start your mesocycles, you start early in a diet, train with no music. Train with easy music. Save the bangers. Save the ones that really light you the fuck up. Save them. And later and later in the diet, you start to add them. They light you up. This is what I got for now. Those are all really good takeaways. I was going to ask, I have some stuff written down here as you were talking. Um, yeah. Did you notice anything, any benefits of having that maintenance period in between to break up the two diets? I did. Yeah, I, I definitely did because what it did was it threw me out of the routine. And I'm someone who's actually a very routine driven person. I crave it and I love it. But even me being out of the routine made me appreciate the routine and revel in it so much more in the second leg of the diet. That's so, yeah. So when I was in my maintenance phase, I did train four days a week and I did loosely track my food, but mind you, I was also traveling. I was in a different gym. Um, so by nature, my routine was going to be off. And that was cool. I mean, I won't lie to you. After the first few weeks, that was amazing. By the end of the maintenance phase, I, I was texting Trevor because, you know, we talk about training, he and I, in our own situations. And I was like, this is bullshit. I just want to train. <laughs> um, but it really paid dividends because, guys, I kid you not, this second leg of the diet is a joke. Literally, it's a joke. Now, this could be because I've just been dieting for a long time. It could be because I've controlled my environment. So like I knew this was going to happen. So I set myself up for success, maybe. But 
I don't have cravings. I don't have diet fatigue. My sleep is like some, like I'm sleeping maybe an hour less, but like whatever. Sex drive is fine. My mood is fine. Um, yeah. What, what body? So yes, fat, Dylan, uh, to answer your question. Yes, Dylan, the maintenance phase was super helpful. I actually think that's a, the getting away from the routine for a little bit to make you crave it is invaluable. Mm -hmm. if, if you're a person who generally craves routine. Yeah, in, in mm -hmm. general, too, I think like there's something to be said about almost not like, I mean, I guess it's this for lack of a better uh, terminology is just or, or, um, phrase just that uh getting kind of tired or sick of the phase that you're in like when I, I think a great place to start a fat loss phase is when you're just sick of putting food down you almost crave getting into the diet because you're like all right i don't want to eat as much food anymore yeah so like you... funny that you said that so i'm talking to somebody in the gym a few days ago a younger kid and he was like man i hate dieting and i was like do you and he's like yeah and i was like don't think you've masked long enough. <laughs> don't think you've ever done a real mask before. <laughs> so it's like, I, I, I mean, nobody likes dieting, but I swear if you mask long enough, it's, it's just a natural progression. They just peanut butter and jelly. It just flows. Like it's good. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I crave, um, the, the, the rigidity and, and routine that I get to when I cut, I feel like I'm a lot more productive. I have a, a more rigid routine that I stick to. That's just kind of something that I kind of naturally fall into due to the things that I need to get done. Say it's step count. Um, I'm a little bit more diligent about like my nutrient timing and just my routine in general to make sure that I get enough sleep and stuff like that too. Um, so I think that's, I don't know, I really do crave those phases, but obviously if you're dieting for a very long period of time without a break, then you're, you know, you can get burnt out on that too. You will burn out. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you are also the kind of person who really likes physique stuff you like the culture of it you like the lifestyle you can really lean into that a lot more when you're dieting when you're massing you have periods of time where you're like yeah i like bodybuilding i like physique i like all this stuff but like i don't feel it right like i don't yeah. feel like i'm in it. whereas when you're dieting you're probably measuring your food more. You're going out to eat less. You're putting more of a premium on food composition because you're more calorie constrained. So that stuff matters. Um, you're being more attuned maybe with fatigue management because it matters more uh, because all those things compound. You know, you become a little bit more diligent about stuff. So it's almost like you can lean into the lifestyle a little bit more. Whereas when you're massing, even if you're tracking your food, tracking your steps, tracking your training, there's more of a lax feel. Um, 100%. by definition, like even if you're doing your job, yeah. Well, yeah. I think, and, and as a, in the competing side too, I'm, I'm posing more. Uh, I mean, generally on the non-competing side, you're looking at your physique more often. I might even derive a little bit more motivation, motivation from like looking at other people, like, um, and just kind of like seeing like the, the physiques and stuff like that. It's not like a comparison but it's more so like like uh i don't know it's just kind of like an inspirational thing i guess i get more of that from when i'm cutting okay i have another one dylan i actually want you to use this as an instagram reel i am going to use this as an instagram reel full disclosure anyone here you heard it first this is a big takeaway 
that I have from this, this phase. When you have your diet in place, you have your step count in place and you have your training in place, you don't get extra points for talking about it more, for watching more videos, for reading more lectures, and just for letting it taking up more headspace. And it actually does more harm than good. You should be productively distracted. Once the plan is in place, just execute it. Don't think about it because it makes the diet so much worse when you're obsessing over this, when you're constantly watching nutrition videos, when you're watching more training videos, you're just more obsessed with the process. And truthfully, you don't get points. You don't lose fat any faster. You don't get any more jacked. And in reality, the fact that it's taking up more headspace is going to bring you more stress. You're going to be more focused on it. And it's going to make you feel like you are forever consumed by this diet and by this phase. This is huge. This is something that I've thought about a lot during this diet. And I think that everybody needs to hear this. Automate and disassociate. Correct. Correct. 100%. Because I can tell you for myself, I notice when I'm dieting, I am a little bit more obsessed with the process. My consumption of training videos goes up. My consumption of obviously like food videos, not food videos in the sense of like recipes, food videos in the sense of like diet content. Bodybuilding food, yeah. No, 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 not, not, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like day in the life or even yeah, nutrition yeah. hacks. And it's like, man, no, you, so I, that, you know, it's funny you bring this up. I, a couple of years ago, I completely stopped. I made a point to completely stop watching all of that when I'm dieting. So that I didn't think about it as much. And I make a point to find other things to take my time up with. Huge. Completely unrelated to it all. This is huge, huge. Everybody needs to hear this. Everybody needs to think about this. Literally. Mindset shift for me. My mood was better. I didn't think about that. I didn't, I wasn't even as hungry on the diet. Yeah. When I'm working in our warehouse or when I'm doing deliveries for all of you guys, if you don't know, I run a luxury outdoor furniture company with my partners called Harbor Classic. And that's why I'm in Charleston right now. Um, when I'm in the throes of that business and I'm not thinking about my diet, I'm not thinking about training, I'm not thinking about anything, those are the easiest days of dieting that exist. The worst days are when I have nothing going on and I'm just home on YouTube. That is the worst. Yep. That's the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plus, this is a little aside. And this more so applies to Trevor Dylan only because he and I have been doing this for just a little bit longer than you. There's really no training video that I'm watching that I'm like, wow, I never, I never thought of that. Or like, wow, your technique is so much better than mine or, or a nutrition thing where you're like, whoa, there's like, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, you guys can call it what it is. It's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was, a, when I was a Ute, when I was a younger lad, you know, I would scour right to learn stuff. But now, like, I'm really, it's entertainment. Yeah, I mean, my consumption of those types of videos has definitely gone down over the years. More so on the education side of things, just due to, you know, career choice and stuff like that. One thing I wanted to ask Trevor, actually, on that is that he is going to be 
this will probably be my first um um cutting phase being at home like i work from home uh trevor do you do you foresee any anything that might be challenging in that regard of working from home and doing you know some of your more aggressive cuts and stuff like that or stuff in the future when you're working from home more uh yeah i mean i'm home and have easier access to food right right yeah that's the biggest thing if you're gone if you're out and about and busy and doing things and you don't have immediate access to food you're like oh i'm hungry Eh, oh well right but if you don't have anything going on and you're 20 steps from food that you know is there then it's a thing when that that thought comes of like oh i'm hungry you're like huh you just go grab something i mean i go grab something yeah um so i actually make a point too like if if i get hungry like when i'm deep in a diet if i get hungry and i'm just like whatever i a day off and i have nothing going on i'll go for a walk smart i like that just to get out of the house because a lot of times, five, 10 minutes, the the immediate thought of I'm hungry passes and I'm fine once I'm away from food. And then I get back and that thought's not, immediate thought's not there. I may still be hungry, but I don't have the immediate thought of I'm hungry. And so it's easier to just put it in the back of my mind and continue on doing other things. Dylan, change your environment. Go to a library. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Notice I didn't say coffee, coffee shop. shop. Then you, oh, no, no I didn't say that because you'll be around food. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, the coffee shop room. But I yeah. It, like if you got a coffee and like sat outside or something like that too. I generally, I, 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 I was using that environment more, but I guess library is even better because you're not around food at all. That's smart. Yeah. The library is actually really nice too because it's quiet. Quiet, quiet. Yep. No distractions. If you're working, (laughs) trust me, being new to have like having a house in my own space, it's uh, very obvious to me how important and helpful it is to have a quiet space with no distractions. Yeah. Yeah. Having a designated workspace with like, I think even in Menno's um, productivity book or the self-control book, he talks about like your desk not being cluttered, um, you know, limited, limited distractions in your work area as well as your environment. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, also if you're in a coffee shop, again, just like not mindlessly consuming the caffeine. I'm just really big sure. on this. I think people just they they do this. And caffeine is is such an awesome tool, but I think people just use it with no intent, with no purpose. They just do it to do it. Right. <laughs> I love how Trevor's laughing because he's a caffeine addict. Well, he and I are just so opposite in this category. Yeah. No, I, I I completely agree with like do not be like me. Yeah. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I try yeah. to be yeah. mindful of it. I drink coffee for more so like the morning and then for the health benefits as well, because there seem to be a decent amount of health benefits from specifically um um coffee. Uh, caffeine intake from coffee well actually it's not the caffeine intake so you could actually drink decaf and get similar benefits uh, get based on what i've seen yeah, yeah. Any other, antioxidants other, some of the like flavonoids and stuff too unfiltered um, actually does you could tell me that every cup of coffee i drink takes 10 minutes of my life and i would still drink the same amount of coffee yeah it's something i enjoy when i'm dieting i do like having a cup of coffee in the morning and like starting my day it's just like my 
my treat. Like, it's just nice to just sit down, have a cup of coffee as a part of my routine. And obviously that's uh, like a drug addict, you know, <laughs> right. You're addicted to the caffeine, but it also is just like how I like to spend my day. Is like a cool fall morning where I get up and I have a cup of coffee and I go sit on the back porch and just yeah. like drink it and just nothing else going on. Quiet, yeah. just cool, crisp morning with a hot cup of coffee. Cup of Joe. Hot cup, cup of Joe. Joe. Got the dogs with you. You're just chilling. That, that's right. like mm, perfect. I'm with you. I'm with you. Maybe I'll go get a decaf this week. Maybe I'll go get a decaf. Even yeah, even just decaf. I think even for the health benefits, it's just nice. Uh to do something, but yeah, even I'll like a, a mindfulness, like an actual like mindfully just like sitting there and like enjoying it. If you enjoy coffee, because people do. Yeah. You know, what so I, mean? I love coffee everything. And I like coffee. No, I just choose not to drink yeah, it. That's smart. Coffee flavored everything is my favorite. Ice cream, ice chocolate, cream, yes. coffee flavored ice cream is underrated. Goated. That's true. That's true. Do you ever make it? In your we need to over underrated podcast. We need to like have sure. people give us like yeah, underrated. Let's, let's do that on our next show. Uh, like a thirty-minute podcast, like just that. <laughs> yeah. This will be good because Trevor and I don't agree on a lot of things, so this is be it'll be good entertainment. It'll be funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that sounds like a great idea. Speaking of which, Steve just posted a Kit Kat cereal when he was in London. I was very very intrigued. That's right. Scary. I saw that and I thought the same thing. I yeah. want to see that's why I want to go to the UK is for the food and the snacks. I hear the snack scene. That's why I want to go anywhere. So let me tell you. So let me tell you, because as you know, I'm just in the UK. I know oh, yeah, that's right. You were the UK snack scene, the UK snack scene is next level. The UK food scene is whatever the fuck. Honestly. Interesting. Um, I can give you some food recommendations in the UK that will blow your socks off, but I wouldn't tell you that the UK food scene is eternal. But the snack scene is a very high level you don't like bean and and uh bean and tomato with your breakfast no the classic english breakfast and the sunday roast you can miss me with those that i don't care but um england or london let me just say london london has an affinity for sourdough pizza and that's cool because sourdough is not so common in the u.s yeah i'm intrigued you never had it trevor it's very good that sounds amazing Sourdough bread. I just made yeah, some starter yeah. before we got on here, or yeah, or, uh, fed my starter so I could make some more bread. I love that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. London is big on sourdough pizza, man, and it's really good. Yeah, I have got to find that. I, there's got to be some place around here. Let's go. go. I mean, are you, are you not going? Oh, yeah, are right. you? You're not going to the Revive Stronger? I've been thinking about it. When is it? Uh, September. September. I just um got a ton of points because i got a new card and i want to travel a little more this year so i'm thinking about it mm-hmm. yeah i mean i have recommendations for you if you go yeah we'll talk i definitely um, have recommendations for you. so on, on the training trevor what's going on with you in training currently uh i am in my last week uh tomorrow is my last day of my first mesocycle back to hard training um after nearly a month off of training entirely yeah that's right because you were moving um yeah, stuff changed a lot almost the entirety of march i did not train wow uh, so but this is coming up on the last bit of it and uh it's 
man, I, I will. I, I have not needed a lot of volume at all. Um, and uh, just to take a page from Shimmy's book, just uh, if if I there was any lessons to be learned, it is to start very slowly. If you have a layoff and you start returning to training, do not just go full bore. Yeah. Whatever you think you'll be safe to start with, half that. Because, I mean, I was seriously doing two to three sets per body part per week in week one. And like just barely recovering. And I mean, most of these are doing like four or five RAR as well. But guys, this is this is Trevor. You probably need a little more than that, right? This is him. Fair. For you guys, probably six to eight sets a week per body part. But, you know, Trevor's been lifting a long time. He's big. He's jacked. Um, it's different. But but still, in general, whatever you think of, oh, I normally start with this. Don't start with that if you've had a long layoff. Yeah. Yeah. And you're leaving a little bit more of a tank on average, too. Uh, and also, um, uh, just to reiterate, uh, I tell people to do this all the time. During a phase like this, if you are coming off of a layoff, eat at maintenance. Don't jump straight into a cut. Don't jump straight into a mass. You have an easy chance to recomp a little bit. Take it while it's there. Because This is big. This uh, is big, Trevor. We, we, we need to talk about this a lot more. Uh, we need to flesh this out because this is not something that is very common. This is not something that's brought around a lot. Most people... They are very familiar with the uh, massing, maintenance, cutting uh, model. Having a, an actual what you'd call gain-taining phase and it being a good idea is not so popular. So um, rip into the details a little bit more, and then I'll jump in as well. Well, yeah. So you, if you have, if you have a layoff of training, yeah, you probably lose a little bit of muscle in the process. You become incredibly sensitive. Fine. Define duration of layoff more than a week or two okay. once you start getting past two weeks you're probably losing muscle okay. um so during that time you become incredibly volume sensitive you've lost muscle so any lost muscle you any muscle you did lost the regain is very easy and very rapid anyway why would you go straight into your first phase back in training and just say oh i'm just gonna enter a, a deficit right off the bat and even in the same phase, why would you enter a mass when it's like you can just eat at maintenance and you will recomp? So you can buy yourself a month of gaining muscle and not gaining fat if you simply eat at maintenance. It is easy gains to be had and it is foolish not to take advantage of it if you're in that situation. Yes. There are some other things that you all would probably want to consider, and that's firstly training very, very far from failure. And then as you progress in the mesocycle, still training decently far from failure and also ending the mesocycle early. Remember, this is an acclimation phase. This isn't actually actually an entire mesocycle where you go from 7 out of 10 effort to 10 out of 10 effort. You might start at a 6 out of 10 effort and end at an 8 out of 10 effort. Did you end early? Yes, you did. You can take the full deload or just take a half deload and then start at four reps in reserve and do a regular training block of dieting or massing. So 
a gain-taining phase, something like this, is probably shorter in duration. It's probably not a five-week accumulation. It's probably three weeks. Or four. Yeah, you're not getting a whole lot. You're not getting a lot of time out of it. And it's this is not something you're going to run a block of. It's going to be you more. It's just, a, it's just a more contracted block. Well, not a multiple mesocycle block. It's going, right. to, be, it's going to be the the kickoff of a longer block following. Yeah. It is, again, a return to training, a return to dieting. Yes. And everyone, we also use this phase to uh, neurologically adapt in some way to the movement patterns that you're going to be essentially locking in with for months Which, and months at a time. So you can bypass some of the neural learning and uh, um, novelty effects. That, and, and don't, don't sleep on the neural learning effect because it's big. Yeah. And, and don't, you're going to go in and you're going to do exercises in week one and you're going to be like, these all feel bad. I'm going to pick all new exercises. Don't do that. Yeah. Finish out the mesocycle at least because everything's going to feel weird. But take some time to just get used to things again, That's especially true. if you are coming from that point of actually not training. Everything's going to feel weird then. Everything felt weird in week one. Everything felt wonky and off. It really wasn't until this week that everything really felt good and really clicked. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And then from an outside the gym standpoint, because I'm sure a lot of you will ask, you probably just want to have a step count for health unless you already have this already during this time. So you probably just want to shoot for around 8K a day um, in that range, which is enough to where if you're massing, you're good. And if you're dieting, it's a fair starting point, but you obviously don't want to kill yourself with steps, but you also want to get used to still being active. If you're coming from a relatively sedentary or detrained place. Yep. From, from a volume standpoint, I imagine we're not reaching MRV either. No, not at all. Not even close. No, no, I wouldn't even say two thirds. Okay. No, I, I think I literally have gone up two total sets and it really it literally wasn't until this final week really just auto-regulating it right week, Especially one that first three, week. the volume just stayed the same because yeah. again auto-regulation there was no need right that makes mm -hmm. sense. one thing i wanted to ask prior uh, kind of a little bit off the subject but did you have any like um was it challenging psychologically to take that long off of training because i know there are a lot of people who probably listen to us who just like, I mean, some people are just borderline addicted to training. Like they, yeah. they loathe their deload phases. They loathe maintenance phases. So I'm going to, I'm going to hot take here. Um, I don't think that either of you will think it's a hot take, but uh, if you are the type of person that say like mentally, you can't take time off the gym. Mentally, I can't not train mentally. I can't not train hard. It's, it's how I deal with my demons. You need therapy. The gym is not the place for that. Was there, did I want to get back to training? Did I miss training? Yes. Did I struggle not training? No, I didn't. Because I have other things going on in my life. Yeah. My life is not entirely revolved around training. Yeah, you see people struggle with this, especially when they, something comes up where they are forced to not train. It's almost yeah, like their identity it, is tied into it a little bit. And when they can't train, they, you know, there's a lot of um, friction. Yeah. I, I think if that's you, you honestly need to look at therapy. 
because that you obviously have issues to work on. The gym is not actually an effective way to work on those issues. Yeah, maybe it's band-aiding some issues. Yeah. You know, I can tell you, I can give you a, um, a slightly alternate point of view because Dylan, you know, I had an extensive maintenance phase. I didn't uh, get take off of training for a month like Trevor, but I had like a six week maintenance phase or seven. Yeah. Like it was long. Right, right. And I had the opposite. So I've been very vocal here that my time of training hard and massing and cutting um, is farther along than than most. And I'm getting oh, I'm getting closer and closer to being over it. And I've said that before. Um, so I have this, you know, idea in my mind, right? That like, we all say the same thing. Oh, you just lift weights three, four days a week and eat at maintenance and not train hard and, you know, have a passive body. And I could tell you during maintenance phase this time, especially towards the end, you know, when there was no really hard training, I was like, you know, I also do still just love lifting weights. Yeah. Like, I love it. And, uh, I wouldn't want to see myself not training hard. Doesn't necessarily mean training often. Maybe it looks like a gain taining phase, or maybe it just looks like maintenance phase, but like training harder at maintenance. Um, because it just brings joy. Yeah. And I think you only see this if you do a maintenance phase or if you take too much time off. Sometimes you lean into that too much. And even somebody who's obsessed with fitness and physique, you take too much time off and you forget that it's just like a good thing to do for mental health, for your actual health, you know, like we get so caught up in the throes of like being radical, right. And training 10 hours a week in the gym, tracking our macros, massing, cutting 20, 30 pound swings, 5% body fat, like 500 pound squats, whatever it is. But you also forget, like it makes us happy. It makes you healthy. And it is something that you should be doing like for your whole life the magnitude of how much importance you give it can certainly reduce, but still important. And I had, you know, a little bit of a, a reminder of that during the end of this maintenance phase where I was like, yeah, you know, when this is all said and done, I still like, I, I do plan on lifting weights, but training hard's fucking fun. Training hard is uh, the best part of it. Yeah. And to go in the gym and just not train hard at all, doesn't sound interesting to me for sure agreed it's just not as fun yeah i'm not necessarily saying that you have to go in there like we all do now but even if you're going to train three four days a week at maintenance like get a pump get sore do it you know do something yeah i agree i agree i don't i don't want to say i don't want what i said to come off as like oh training shouldn't matter or anything it's fun it is good for mental health that is definitely true Absolutely. um and it is healthy and it's good to enjoy it but the people who, you know, it's weak ruining if a fucking family member dies and they have to miss a training session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're more pissed about missing the training session than they are about a family member's death. Yeah. It's like, okay, you have some issues you need to work out. Yeah, you just need some hobbies. You need something yeah. else. Yeah, it's good to have other things. And the Absolutely. gym can be a hobby. It doesn't have to be your life. Right. I think that's a good way to put it. Well, one thing I um, I will say on kind of a different perspective even is that I often just find that if I'm training really hard, sometimes it's nice to have uh, a period where my training volume's reduced, I'm training less. Um, deloads, like when they come around, I'm, I'm grateful for them because I just destroyed myself the previous week and I'm beat up. 
So I do generally like to have that downtime and then it allows me to shift focus for like a week where I can work focus yeah. on work or focus on a hobby or something that's outside of the gym. That's something I always try to tell my clients is like, you know, Hey, you're deloading this week. So you're gonna have less time in the gym. Try to do some other relaxing activities. Try to do something that yeah. you enjoy doing that isn't the gym. Cause then you'll come back and you'll have that. Uh, you'll, you'll be maybe hopefully craving the gym to go back and train hard again. So Dylan, that's very cool that you said that for you specifically. And the reason why is because when you and I and Trevor started doing this podcast, you were not saying that. If you were to go back months and months ago, we had this exact conversation and you muttered the words, oh, I hate deloads. Oh, I love training. You're not saying that now. That, my friend, is growth on your part. And that is very, very cool to see because there was a time where you were so obsessed with training that you're like, I can't stand... Like, I love it. I love training hard. Well, now you realize like there's such value in time off. So that's growth for you, man. So kudos to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I, I've have held, held that for that belief for a while. Um, maybe I wasn't as vocal about it uh, prior. Um, but I do think, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really important thing. And I think a lot of people who are like, like having hard time cutting, you know, taking time off, maybe you should reevaluate, um, you know, how hard you are training or. Um, yeah. That's another thing. People who are like, Oh, I don't want to take a deload. I'm like, I question how hard you're training. Yeah. Or the people who claim. I always look forward to a deload. I look forward to like, Oh God, I get a little bit of a break. Or the people who claim to make progressions. This is another one. Probably off topic. But people who claim to make progressions for very long periods of time, like linearly, I'm like, really? Do you You're either a beginner or you've yeah, been like training Brian Shaw? Like, you know what I mean? Or you're just upping your gear every every three weeks. Remember, I want to <laughs> dig into something that you just said because I think it would be valuable. Um, the the uh, thought process of looking forward to the deload, I actually think that's a bad idea, and that's not something that I do. At all. It's the same as when you're working hard on a project, but you're looking forward to the vacation. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not able, at least for me, if I do that, I don't train as hard. And I do um, seem to take not easy way outs, but um, I don't lock in as much as I should. If I'm looking, if I'm thinking about the deload, when it comes, I'm so happy that it's there. Yeah, that's but I can't, I can't think about it. It's the same as if, like I said, if you're on a working on a really hard project, but you're already like planning what you're going to do on vacation, you're not locking into the project. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know what you mean, but that's because I don't take vacations. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm just being a smart ass. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? But no, I, I, I agree. I don't actually like actively think about my deload until it's there. And I'm like, Oh, this is a relief. Yeah. This is nice. Yeah. Super. Right, maybe. It may be helpful to be mindful of it. Um, if you are, if it's like very hard training, you're like, hey, I got to deload in a few days. So like, put the shit online. Like, go hard. You know what I mean? Like, you're right. I think so. Sometimes yeah, I right. kind of, I'm, I'm somewhat mindful of it. Like, I'm not like, oh, I get to deload. Cool. Let me. Yeah, just that's why of, I like, pin myself with like rest today. Yeah. <laughs> the motherfucker planned to pin himself in the yeah. like rest today. I went in and I told Zach, I was like, I'm going to pin myself before I leave the gym today. Oh, is that what happened? I didn't even notice it. Yeah. Honestly, I was too consumed with you doing sissy squats on the Smith machine saying, what the fuck is this guy doing? It hurts a lot. You're fucked up. I don't even know. I've, I've never tried it. I ain't trying it either. It hurts a lot. 
Those, very painful. Uh, one and a half are fucking brutal. Those were also very, 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 very. Wait, painful. you did one and a half squats too, Trevor? Yeah. Yeah. And he oh, so you both have them in? Because Dylan, you have them in too, right? Yeah, he programmed them for me. Yeah, we I talked about. Oh, you both doing? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We had a we cool. had a discussion. Uh, I don't know if we told you, Shimmy, but um, we had a discussion about my next mezzo, and we were talking about experimenting with more lengthened work and more lengthened partials and stuff like that. So uh, we that was one of the yeah. exercises that we tried. That's cool. And I, I threw them in as a downset just to kind of try it out. And uh, oh, if you're if you're thinking about giving them a shot, go lighter than you think. Oh, oh for sure. <laughs> It was lighter than the weight. I, I was like, okay, I did the uh, four county centrics with like two thirty, so I'm like, oh, like two hundred, you know, like, and I ended up doing like one seventy with the one point fives, barely getting six reps. So it was, it was a huge drop in load. How do you know? How do you know how high to come up on the half? For me, I just went to roughly like above, like where the sticking point is. What I'm doing is I'm okay, above parallel. Yeah, my, my Smith faces a mirror, so I look at where the um, hook uh, gets close to the one of the pegs. Uh, I find I can't, I, it's a certain peg. Dude, I just had a sick idea. What if you took the safeties on the Smith machine and put them on the top? So you're like, you don't usually pause at the bottom, but you're pausing in the half of the top part Ugh. on the safeties. You know what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying. I do. That sounds terrible. Well, the only problem Dylan, is you get what move, I'm saying. You can't move the safeties above the. Bar. Well, you can on mine because they're broken. Yeah, you can. Oh. I can. Oh, really? Some some safeties you can like completely like. Put I imagine you could them. just get your own safeties too and just put them in. Like you could get a, some sort of thing that just basically created a like, has a hook and yeah, then blocks sure it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I, I also was thinking about well, we were thinking about length of parcels and I was thinking of ways in which to standardize. And that yeah. would be a great way to do that. Yeah. Because that's one of the challenges with that is standardization. Uh, and and uh, hopefully um, mm. in a couple of weeks, I'm going to ask uh, Milo to come on. We can talk a little bit about him because I'm kind of curious yes. if you guys are down. Yeah, sure. Um, briefly, I just wanted to touch on. Um, so we talked a little bit about my training last time. Trevor had mentioned that um, he's throwing a ton of volume at me. Um. I was curious, Jimmy. You, you might you, you mentioned you might have some questions about it. Maybe we can talk about my training a little bit. Questions or about how, your training? My yeah, training I mean, or how, what Trevor's noticing. Yeah, yeah. So training. I mean, like I, yeah. So I'm. Um, I mean, I don't know a lot about your training. You're massing at the moment, right? Because you look humongous. Yeah. He is. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. What mesocycle are you in? He's. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Um. What I, mesocycle um, are you in? Two me, meso two post mini cut. Uh, we're going to do one more and then we'll do a cut maintenance and cut. So here's my question, Trevor, what is, uh, what's he bad at that you're working with him on? Technique wise. Or take that, take that for what you want. <laughs> Honestly, the thing that Dylan's probably the worst at is, uh, maybe pushing a little too hard too early. Okay. That's normal. That makes sense. Because his technique is gonna be fine, I know that it's not like, you know, I mean, what's he gonna like? His technique's good. Couple, there's definitely a couple things here and there, and I've learned a lot from Trevor in that regard too. Things that I just I maybe like I never thought of or considered. What'd you learn? Um, what was one? I think 
Oh, one accountability. He goes, I learned a lot of things. What was one of them? The the accountability of having the consistent technique week to week and having someone checking in with me. Like I, like uh, for one, I remember he was mentioning that I should kind of push my chest forward um, when I get to the bottom of, uh, of like a a pull down or a um, a assisted pull up. Yeah. Leopard Sue. And and that's something that I uh, consciously know but I wasn't consistently doing and having him kind of check me on that. I was like, Oh shit. Like I wasn't doing that. Um, another one was the, uh, the rose I think was actually getting a, a better stretch in them and actually coming down and kind of like flexing the triceps, allowing the, uh, was it an internal rotation a little bit? Um, yeah. so just getting more stretch on there. Trevor's anything you have noticed or uh, had to kind of work on with, with me. Um, or so shimmy, I bet we'll find this one interesting. Um, in a way, limiting range of motion on some things. Like the bicep curls, the away cable curls. It's just keeping your arms back. Um, Shimmy and I have talked about this some with like good mornings too, where sometimes chasing as much movement as we can get in an exercise is not as valuable as limiting the range of motion to where we have the most tension. Mm-hmm. Well, and also thinking about the context of the exercise. So I think, for example, I was doing full range of motion on cable curls. And that flexion is probably more important on like a barbell or a dumbbell curl, I would imagine, versus the cable. Yeah, where anything to... where the, the the load is more directed in front of you. Yeah, because also that elbow out has the benefit of... of also allowing you to have some more stretched tension. But if your arm is back here and you have a cable, which is loading you back here, it doesn't yeah. matter as much, at least. Yeah. So for that exercise. Um, and, and on the pushing harder um, thing. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 because I was going to shift to something different. So you go okay. and then I will. On the pushing harder thing, um, too. So I haven't, I haven't noticed it limit my progressions very much. Maybe it did on some things. What do you uh, think? On some things it has. Um, so when I'm marking your progressions, I'm marking them smaller than maybe i would otherwise okay so like uh what you would normally expect so maybe you are actually kind of at the same rep and reserve target but you have two and a half pounds more instead of adding five pounds more and maybe being a rep closer to failure okay things like that which i think is you can totally do and i think it's totally fine to sometimes just match performance well, well, if anything, I, I, for a while, thought I wasn't training hard enough. So it's kind of nice to be like, okay, I can pull back from this a little bit. That's never the case, but I found. Yeah. Uh, well, you're you're not, that's never the case. Only with legs. With upper body. Never the case with everybody, yeah. For the longest time, I thought I wasn't training hard enough. And then, and then now, especially with making sure the technique is consistent, rep to rep, rep every every set, it's a lot easier and more straightforward than I imagined to to know where failure is or to hit failure. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. People, a lot of people put it on a pedestal a lot of the time. It's like this really hard thing, and that only some people can do it. I'm like, no, man. If sometimes like I'm just going, and I'm like, I just stop, like because I cannot do another rep. And yes, it's it is challenging, but it's also like it's just really straightforward if you have good technique consistently. Yeah. That, that was a funny enough like, leg curls today. I was like, eh, it's a 50-50 shot if I get this rep, so I'm gonna try it. 
and it just was like, eh. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. That, that was that. That yeah, was failure. Yeah, especially on some of those muscles, sometimes the hamstrings, triceps, it'll just be like, yeah, doing triceps. Right, it's like, like it just stops. It, nope, okay, that's, we're, yeah. we're done. Yeah, I find that if I have to use my body, then it's over. Yeah, exactly. If you have to change the technique. Well, but that's where a lot of people are like, all right, this is where the grinding starts. Yeah, it's like, this is where the good stuff is. It's like, why? Yeah, but it's not no true. Never, you never had good stuff. The good stuff was never there. <laughs> true, very yeah. true. Girls never came. Yeah, never <laughs> That's from Eurotrip, if you guys caught that. Oh, my um, God, that is a bold movie. I, uh, I actually have some technique uh, takeaways from, from my training, uh, some new ones sure. um, that I think some people can benefit from. Uh, they're all specific, um, but they're short. So a few. The one that I just posted about, I swear I'm switching all my rear delt movements for a uh, higher rep upper back row. I just think it's better in every way for now. I may change my mind, but whether you're with dumbbells, a barbell, a machine, whatever, I think uh, most people lack upper back thickness anyways, and it usually responds well to higher reps. So the fatigue that you're going to get in your elbows, biceps, is, and lower back is minimal. And you're smashing the rear delts, but then you're also getting everything else. So I think it's one of these, I'm not going to shoulder press. I'm just going to do more chest pressing. I think it's the same logic. Yeah. You're going after, I've actually never used that analogy before. Now that I said it, I'm actually really proud that I said it. It fits really well. You're going after your front delts when I could go after my front delts in the same way, but also get chest. So in this case, I'm going after my rear delts, but I could go after my rear delts in the same way or better and get upper back. Yep. So that's what I'm going to do. So that's first. Um, the second one that I have. Be right back. When you are benching, on a Smith machine. Dylan, where are you going? I got knowledge for you. Where are you going? I can I can still hear you. I have to go pee. Yeah, you better hear me. Okay. When you're benching on a Smith machine and you bring the bar to your chest, don't just pause and go. Let the bar sink into your chest. Live there. Live there. Pay some rent. Then press the bar up. Don't just take it, pause, and go. Yeah, no, just... Correct. Don't relax. But let it sink all the way in. Get, yeah, you, get you bring the bar and you you bring it here and you wait a second. You'll be able to kind of drop just a smidge more. Yeah. And you'll really feel your chest when you do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think especially wow. if you're using a Smith machine or even a barbell, it's probably valuable because, I mean, you know, it's limited range of motion compared to dumbbells or some machines or a camber bar. Mm hmm. Yep. Next one that I have standing machine calves are not the devil that I thought they were. I hated them. I hated them for a long time. What I've changed is I've overemphasized the bottom stretch. Listen to all the Eric Helms interviews. Sure. Definitely influenced me. Sure. Really overemphasizing the bottom and lightening the load has made the movement great. I do them twice a week now. They're great. I still prefer leg press. As do I. I will say, though, um, if anyone says they don't like a standing calf raise, half your weight and try it again. Agreed. Because <laughs> I all the time I see people like, I go to use it and it's mine's pin loaded. And it's like way the hell down here. 
and I'm like putting on the top third. Most yeah. most of those stacks don't need to go that heavy. I I never used like the, the more than a third of the stack on my. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Agreed. So I have that. What were some other takeaways that I have? Okay. I mean, these are all the nuance here. So when you're doing cable upright rows, hear me out here, everyone. Extend your hand at the bottom to further stretch your shoulders down and forward. So you're getting more of a stretch here. No, no, no. So if you're opening your hand to further round your shoulders to then come up, it feels better. Versus being locked and just doing this, oh, yeah, see, actually opening and then up. I just hold like this the whole time. So do I, but I actually open my hand and then I come up. I've done this for the last few weeks. It feels fantastic. Worth trying. Are you, do you, do you use, are you using bursa grips? No, I'm not using any straps at all because the weight is so light. Then how are you opening your hand? So I'm here. Then I'm there, but it's still staying in my fingertips. Hmm. Right? So it's almost yeah, like I'm curling it in. So it's almost like I'm, I'm curling it in as I come up. So I'm coming down and opening, and then I'm curling in and pulling up. You're not getting it. I, I get it. I, I just, get, I get it. Sure. No, don't get me wrong, fellas. It's weird if you've never done it, but then you're going to do it. And you're going to be like, oh, it's great. What, what uh, is the, the benefit that you feel? Uh, I just feel more of a stretch. Barbell more stretch. Try leaning huh? like on the on the note of upright rows. If you don't like barbell upright rows, try leaning over and doing them. Not bending over, just leaning a little bit. Yeah, tilting, pushing your hips back. Oh my god, my delts have been sore every week. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Any other tips that I have? Um, you can never put enough pads in front of your leg extension pad. The more stretch you get, the better it is. Go uh, pads until your feet are hitting the bar behind them. Yeah. Yeah. You never get that. Um, another one that I posted about regarding lying leg curls, if you're going to put the pad under your hip, uh, for more range of motion, make sure that you're putting the pad low enough to where it is actually further stretching your legs. I think people have a tendency to put the pad too high on their hips and it's fine. You're getting more than what you'd normally get, but you can do better. Yeah. So the, the point is to put it sort of in front of your kneecaps, yep. not under your hip. I put it on, on my quads. It's literally my, my, it is right above my knees. Yeah. 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 So I think this is something to think about. A lot of people don't think about that. Yeah, I see a lot of people put it like, you know, they put it on the V here. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. You, I mean, you can, it's fine. It's just better if you put it down at the, basically the bottom. So it's like right where your knees are hanging off it. Yeah, I remember then my last one, I'm, I'm going to end off my tips on this one because Trevor knows that this is the best one. I've not done my post on this yet. I have it written up. It is going to be going up most likely tomorrow. Most of you pull your deadlifts out too early in life. Dylan, this does not apply to you. You're huge. <laughs> Most people, they have heard smart people like us and others say that the deadlift is a very high raw stimulus magnitude movement. 
It carries boatloads of fatigue. It's hard to program. We don't exactly know what muscle groups it's targeting the most. So they don't do it. And they do barbell rows and uh, hip thrusts, back extensions, the like. And they say, nah, deadlifts, not for physique. There's no point. There is a point. And you probably didn't hit it. <laughs> if you are pretty strong, which we always say, then it makes sense. But if you can deadlift 275, 315 even, for sets of 6 to 10, you still have real estate to buy here. You should still probably be deadlifting. There are so many physique athletes where when they get lean and you look at them from the back, they are still lacking in the lower back. And as far as I know, there ain't nothing better for that than deficit deadlifts. So I think that a lot of people, myself included, by the way, like I, I did them for a long time and I'm strong-ish, ish. Um, I did them for a long time and then I said the same thing, but then I was like, you know, I think I can still benefit. So I'm deficit deadlifting, but I'm doing it in a higher rep range because I'm dieting. It's amazing. Uh, really hard. Takes time to acclimate, but I'm doing it in the 10 to 15 rep range and it is, wow. Um, highly recommend everybody try it if you're if you're interested. Uh, let me know how it goes. But yeah, this is a huge, huge unlock. And I thought that the deadlift would go horrible for me while I was dieting because of the fatigue. But because I'm using so much lighter weight, and I'm also only capping the volume at two sets, I've been able to do it throughout even this like last part of the diet where it's ideally like the hardest part of the diet. And it's fine. So um, worth considering people. One, one thing I wanted to point out is when you say 225 to 315 as a deadlift, uh, you're talking about controlled eccentric deadlift. A lot of people are like, right. oh, I could deadlift. Even with good deadlift. technique. Right. Yeah. yeah. I could deadlift 415. It's like, well, okay, how much can you deadlift when you control the, the, the weight all the way to the floor? Yeah. If you can do a 405 controlled eccentric deadlift. Good. Yeah, you're probably at the point where maybe maybe it's uh, not worth the squeeze anymore. But if you're doing 275, eh. Well, and the way Shimmy's doing it too is he's, uh, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were putting it towards the end of the session, correct? No. Oh, you're so, not? You're doing yeah. it at the beginning? No, no, no. That's number one. It's a, I, number one. No, I would never that do that. That was maybe what Trevor had mentioned yeah. then, uh, potentially putting it at I the end. I would program them for myself next mesocycle. And they will likely be midway towards the or towards the end for me. I think that's a mistake, dude. I think you need to do it number one. I think it's a mistake. Uh, but I'm stronger at deadlifting than you. Yes, but you also haven't done it in a really, really long time. And the way that you're about to do it, I don't know exactly, but your technique is going to be way different than when you did it two years ago, three years ago. No, I was about to say, my technique was still really good then. But you're out of I'm assuming you're also going to do it on deficit, though. Yeah, no? I was doing deficit sumos then, too. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I, I had an injury that I couldn't, like, squat, so I was doing deficit sumos instead. And this was, like, two years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think if you have it mid session, like it's going to, it's going to destroy you. Not in, not in a good way. Like, I think it's, you're going to, you're going to get to it and you're like, I'm tired. Like, this is not good. Well, I might play with it. Why putting it in the beginning of the session would be better then? Because you'd be tired for the whole session then. 
Um, no, because he's going to modulate his volume enough where I don't think it's going to affect him like that. Like, I th I'm pretty sure he's only going to start with one set. He's going to yeah. start with two sets. That's one set. Right, exactly. So I, I don't think that it's going to destroy his whole session if he starts with one set. Um, but I think if he puts it in the middle, it's going to be harder to, to do. Like, are, are you doing it on a leg day, right? Yeah. Right. So what do you have before that? Leg press or something? Uh, machine good mornings. Weird. Well, from, from, from like a, what is this like? Are a, you, gonna, yeah, dude, like, are you gonna, I know you're thinking pre-exhausted, but to me, yeah, I think you're I just thinking. getting tired, like, not productively pre-exhausted, just like, exhausted. Meh. I mean, my hamstrings will be, but. Well, and then the load is reduced as a result of that, so then you're, it's not as much load that you have to. Manage. Again, so going back, the reason I stopped doing deadlifts is I was doing 405-ish controlled eccentrics from a deficit. And that's the point where I was like, this isn't worth it anymore. Did you actually do, you did 405 on deficit for like eight reps or 10 reps or something? Yeah. Did you use 25 pound plates or was you still on something? I stood on uh, like a three inch box. Yeah, I never did that. No, I never, I never did that. <laughs> I never got to that, to that point. I'm, I'm leveraged to deadlift. Yeah. That's cool. No, I never, I never did that. I mean, my deficit is bigger than yours, and my eccentric is slower than yours, but that doesn't mean shit. You're still stronger than me. Yeah, my, uh, I'm leveraged to deadlift. My was, uh, I was deadlifting out in parallel. I was deadlifting over five hundred before I could even squat four hundred five. Wow, wow. And we're just not going to talk about my bench. No, we are not. No one wants to hear. <laughs> No one wants to hear. But at least you're using a nemesis bar. That's kind of cool, I guess. I think it's pretty, pretty sweet. You like it, huh? I do. Yeah. Felt super weird at first, but uh, by by this point, I'm like, yeah, this is nice. Is it um, super what, short? My pecs. What do you like about right it? Now. Just uh, does it give you a really good stretch? It gives a pretty good stretch. Um, not quite as much as like a camber bar, but my uh, my shoulders do tend to be a little finicky. And it feels really good on my shoulders. And just the overall tension I feel in my pecs is probably better. Thanks. Yeah, I have yeah. A, I have a bar. I don't have the arc, so I don't have that nemesis. So yeah, you think the arc is beneficial as well? I mean, obviously there's more of a deficit from the arc. Yeah, I do think the arc is beneficial. And for me, so that like I have a football bar too, which is a full neutral grip. Yeah, I have one of those. The nemesis is more like this. Oh, that's nice. And I've all like for me here is eh, yeah yeah here is uh, this feel like when I dumbbell press I'm like this yeah so being able to have a barbell and have my hands like this I just feel like so much tension in my pecs it just feels really good of the the alignment of the pec fibers the alignment of the pec fibers <laughs> um one more thing before we get off uh briefly I think we had one about um uh our favorite gym pieces is that what you got in your question yeah we we can talk about this really quickly probably a good transition here yeah a little bit a little bit of bullshit wrap up. Uh, i know shimmy and i can talk on this one so shimmy do you want to kick us off we're going to do this per body part or just in body part yeah start, start okay. with the heavy hitters though. Like, what, are, what are your what are your like like 
what are your favorite just all-time pieces? Okay. I bet I know what Shimmy's is. <laughs> you definitely do because we talked about it sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. The Perillo leg press, which you've never seen. If you go scroll back to like old the old uh, reels of mine when I was training at Redcom One Gym, that is the greatest leg press alive, alive. It's number one. Um, it's, it's like Nebula, but it's better than that. Yeah, it's essentially a Nebula, but it's better than that. That is the number one leg press ever. The Paramount Pendulum Squad is great. The Cybex hack squad is great. Everyone knew I was going to say that. Um, For one out of left field, something we don't expect. The Cybex pullover is great as well. Um, the Nautilus pullover is good. Cybex is better because it's heavier and the handle is smaller, thinner. That is that is one that you don't hear often. You always hear about the, the Nautilus pullover. I have the Nautilus pullover right now. Um, it's cool. I think the Cybex is better because it's heavier and the bar is thinner. What? It's been so long since I've used either of those. I know the the Cybex one's the thick, thicker bar around it, right? Yeah, David Martin is using it right now, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That. Um, The Body Masters Smith machine that I was using in a lot of my videos um, when I was training at Athletic Factor. That is the greatest Smith machine I've ever used. It's heavy. It's smooth. The bar is thin. It's good. It's got good grip. Smooth. Um, so this one that I'm going to tell you is actually more popular than you'd think. Um, a lot of big box gyms are having it. The Nautilus T-bar row is awesome and common. Not that hard to find. The Nautilus T-bar row is amazing. And... The Nautilus converging chest press that you've probably seen me do from a couple months ago. You have to add a pad behind your lower back, but when you do, it's very good. Horizontal? No. No. What? The the seated one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That one. This is the one that has the grips like this and this? No. No, it's just this. It's just that. But it converges in. The one I'm thinking of is yeah. the one that has these two. And there's grips here, and then it's got you know like a spot here to grab too. That's that one, one doesn't converge as much; it kind of arcs. Mm. I'm thinking of a different one. I think I have so many more. Um, yeah, there the there's a split plate loaded split pull down machine by a company called Sterling. Some random gym that I was training at in London has this split pull-down machine. It is the greatest split pull-down machine I've ever used in my whole life, and there's nothing that comes close. A split pull-down is where there's two handles, and they come down. I remember we, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, you sent me a video. This shit is wild. It is so good. Um, That, if any of you guys can find that, use it. It's Rockstar. Uh, what else can I give here that I love? I mean, it goes without saying the Elite FTS and now Rogue's Seal Bar. 
So that cambered bar that doesn't have a diagonal cam, but it's a circular cam, which is the one that I've used in videos from a long time ago. It's the one that I have. This one has a cambered bar where most people are just not touching their chest. Yeah. That is the best cambered bar alive. The one I have? Yours is even bigger than Jimmy's. His is bigger than mine? That's what she said. Who's your brand, Dylan? Rogue. It's Rogue Seal. Oh. Rogue. It's the Rogue Seal bar. Oh, yeah, that one. That is the I, I've not used the Rogue one. I have the Elite FTS one, but I the think Rogue it's is bigger. It's massive. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge. It's it's awesome for uh, you can't do rows with it, but it's awesome for um the bar is a little bit thinner too. It's it's awesome for uh def or for Cambridge bench. I have some others. Um the Cybex old Cybex tall assisted pull-up and dip machine is next level okay. because it is tall. So for someone who has long limbs, you can bottom out and you can get a peak contraction at the top. It's smooth, it's heavy, it's linear. Um, I think yes, loves it. So yeah, where you put your, yeah. your feet, it's uh, you put your feet on yes. it. Okay. Yes, yes, on your knees. Yes, that is the best assisted pull up that exists in life. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Number one. Agreed. Um, I'm gonna cap mine. Trevor, what you got? All right, I'll I'll do this by body part because um, he already agrees with everything that I said because I know that so. Well, yeah, all all, the, all those machines are great. Um, Atlantis Hack Squat Pro, the V2 Hack Squat. Never used it. So good. So it. good. Um, that is probably my favorite leg piece. Um, the Strive leg extension and not, or Prime, and not because of the adjustable cam on it, that is the Rich. only leg extension that I can use and not need a pad on. Yeah. Because I put that thing all the way back and my feet are fucking touching the seat. Never used it. it, yeah, it I've never seen a leg extension that you can put so much range of motion on. It's great. Um the uh <laughs> Shimmy hates this one. The prime chest supported seated row. Yeah, I know. Not for me, but yeah. Yeah, you I know that. don't like that one, huh? No. I, I love it. Um the uh Arsenal Arsenal pull down, actually. Mm. What do you mean? The split the split pull down or just cable stack? Just the the it's plate loaded, but it's not this kind. It's the like, tall. Oh. Um, I love the Arsenal pull down, just the cable stack pull down, just because the damn thing is tall. So yeah, so high up. I'll tell you the Arsenal standing lateral raise machine. I also love. I don't like it. I know that. I, I don't we'll like it more than the Atlantis. It. Atlantis is yeah, Atlantis standing lateral raise is the best. I don't know if I've used the Atlantis, but I like yeah, the compared, Arsenal. When, when you use the, if you use the Atlantis, you'll 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 we'll realize the Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I went from the other way. Because I went when uh, Trevor, when we first met in uh, Vegas, that was the first time I used Arsenal, and yeah. I was like, "This is weird." Oh, this sucks. Um, I I will say though, um, in, in case, because hey, I will mention that Arsenal has some great pieces. If you think that everything is good of theirs, their leg curl and their leg extensions are the worst pieces of equipment on the fucking planet. Try them. They're so bad. If you ever see them in a gym, just. Fun. Programming them. 
because they're that bad. Um, but um, the eagle, Cybex eagle, lake girl, seated lake girl, flying lake girl. Uh, so good, so good. The, you won't see it often. The Cybex eagle lying or seated? Uh, I've only used the seated. So the Cybex eagle lying leg curl is my favorite lying leg curl that exists. So I've, I've never used the lying, but I've only, I've used the seated, and it's very good. It is good. I've used it too. Uh, it's good. Uh, probably the Atlantis incline chest press plate loaded chest press. I like that one because I I'm, very rarely do I have a, a chest press machine that I get a really deep stretch on. But I can get a really deep stretch on that. You can adjust it super far back. Do you, do you so have you it all the way down? Flex, the flex fitness leverage incline, right? It's very similar to that. The flex yeah. fitness is better. Um, yeah. So the flex fitness leverage really incline, I like. Yeah. Yeah. But if you, you do, are... you. Here's the one. The... Go ahead. Re real quick, what was the leg curl that you said you liked? The uh, Cybex Eagle. Have you guys ever tried the Nautilus plate loaded lying leg curl? I hate plate loaded lying leg curls. So I also hate plate loaded lying leg curls. I, I they, I've never met one that was good. Yeah. This I'm one saying. is really heavy in the stretch position. The one I have at my gym. That yeah, actually really doesn't do anything for me because if something is heavy in the stretch position, but then when I curl, it gets weird, then I don't care. See, for me, they all feel like just nothing in the stretch. And then halfway up, it's like heavy. Well, the, shit. the loading here, I'll show you it. The loading's a little bit weird. One of one of the gyms that I used to train at had a strive or prime plate loaded lying leg curl. It sucked. Yeah, I don't like their plate loaded. I think it's terrible. I actually think the strive lying leg curl is or prime is actually kind of terrible. Like just period. It doesn't feel good. Yeah, I want to If any of you guys want to hack, if any of you guys want to hack when you're dieting. Bigelow assorted tea herbal teas, they're good. all decaffeinated, so you can drink them Those are good. And before you go to sleep, and it doesn't matter. Um, so I will give one that I guarantee you maybe one person will have ever used this. It is the old Nautilus like rotary rear delt machine, and so it's a uh, you sit in it and there's a pad here. Oh, of course. And you go like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've used this. I've used it. Yeah, you're laying face down. The light, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I used that at Gold there's, there's the face down one too. I've done the one where you're laying face down, like you're going to get a massage, but you're not. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's basically like doing a rear delt row or like just a, a row in general. Yeah. So it's the same thing, but you can just straight with your elbows the pump you get in your rear delts and your upper back is next level. Gold's Venice used to have uh, so I've used it. I'll uh I'll cap it there. What about you, Dylan? Oh god, I'm not the best person to ask. Um I definitely what? like the arsenal that I've now that I've used at Lake Crest. Um Atlantis lateral is up there. Good... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Atlantis lateral. Always the free motion machine, uh, just because of its versatility, is just a great piece. Yeah. To always have. Gyms need more free motion machines. Yeah, I would. I would be happy if we had two or three. To be honest with you. Um, yeah. Oh, here, wait. Here's the leg curl. 
Oh, I didn't realize I was sending the whole video. I thought I was sending a picture. Uh, maybe you can see it. My dirty ass screen. I can't see it from your light. Jeez. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, I can't. Yeah, I can see it, but it doesn't really do it justice. Oh, yeah, I mean, eh, I would need to use it. Because most plate-loaded long leg curls just have such an extreme uh, strength curve that they feel terrible. It is a little bit more extreme, for sure. I, I don't I don't mind it too much. It'll feel very heavy at one spot and then awkwardly light at another spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything at my gym otherwise? Trying to think through the pieces. Our leg presses are eh. The Elite is just heavy. The Atlantis pendulum is pretty good. Yeah, that's a really heavy leg press. The Atlantis pendulum is pretty good uh, for a pendulum. I like that one. Um, I haven't used that one, but I know that you can put a lot of weight on it, right? Eh, hot yeah. take. I don't like pendulum squats. I don't. Yeah, I don't really either. I'm just like for a pendulum. But I think Trevor, I that's a new one for you because I think you used to oh. like them. Uh, I liked them when I very first started, and then I got to where I was using over a plate, and I can't use them for more than about a month without getting knee pain. Interesting. Yeah, the, uh, the Rogers. You squat. don't like the Paramount, the Paramount one? Never used Paramount. I do no. love the Roger squat though. Roger squat's one of my favorite yeah. pieces now, uh, especially the newer one with the three pegs. I wish mine um, had three pegs. I love the classic Cybex Smith. But I also love a good angled smith. I haven't used any good angled smiths. I don't know if you guys have. But that side as an angled smith, the same bar yeah. uh, size and everything. Yeah. But if I, if I use that, I imagine that'd be my favorite smith. Otherwise, the classic Cybex smith is amazing. Yeah. Which is the classic, like the old one that's got a skinny bar that. Uh, yeah. 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 If I kind of angled Dylan, one of those. One that Dylan White uses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of good equipment, huh? Old Cybex are just all so good. That chest, the best, uh, that the, the one, not the one that Shimmy, the one I thought Shimmy was talking about. That kind of arcs like this, that has the handles here and here where you sit upright. I love that. I one. don't know. I have, I have a, I have an incline version of my gym. We just got it. Oh, Amazing. nice. Um, that's pretty much it as far as like I don't have too many amazing like crazy pieces. Those are definitely my favorites. I have the Nautilus converging, which are awesome. Uh, I like the Rogue belt squat over the pit shark. My buddy has a Rogue. I've been using that one lately. Yeah, but it, yours <laughs> yours are probably better than mine. But yeah, those are those are some of my favorites. Well, we've probably just been to more gyms than you. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been mostly seen, the West Coast. Seen more, man. Seen more. I there was a, a one at Venice. Speaking of old pieces, I don't even know what it's called. You can definitely see it on old like videos of Dulce in Venice. Uh, but it 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 has a huge stretch, and it's loaded in the like the uh, the cable like attachment is in the middle. There's like a piece in the middle. What like, is it exactly? Belt you said it's a leg extension. Okay. Uh, You'll if you go if you watch like a like walkthrough of Gold Gym Venice, you'll see it. It's a big blue leg extension. I, think I know what you're talking about. Actually, yeah. they have a leg curl too. It's actually pretty good from what I remember. I didn't know much about what was a good exercise back then, but I remember this one getting me a crazy stretch. And because it was loaded in the middle, it didn't get the thing where you know how like leg extensions will one be kind of off. It was heavier. Yeah, it, it didn't have that yeah. at all. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's all right. Well. 
yeah, it was uh, good talking to you guys. Glad we finally got caught up next week. Let's do. Yeah, over I feel, I feel like this was a long pod. Like this was, was a long one. We yeah, also did bullshit without recording for like yeah. what twenty minutes. Yeah. Over overrated underrated next week. Yes, let's do overrated underrated next week. We'll That'll ask people for overrated underrateds. Do it like Wednesday or Thursday for the questions yeah. or the under over under. Cool. Sure. All right, it's good catching up with you guys. Yep. Likewise. All right. Have a good rest of your Friday. Yep. Y'all too. Yeah. Yes, sir. Night. All right.